Well, praise God. It's uh, good to see so many people here today, especially with it being so hot outside. You know, we won't let the heat stop us from uh, from from getting here. Amen. And, uh, you know, I don't know what benefits the heat brings, but I know I'm sure there's something or God wouldn't allow it to happen. So somewhere, somehow people are being blessed or things are being blessed because of this heat. So I'm not going to bother to try to understand it. I'm just going to go with it and say, praise God for the heat, because uh, God also gave people the idea of creating AC. So we know that no matter how much you might be outside, no matter how warm it might be, there's AC in the car, AC at home somewhere. You can go, you can get cooled off. So so praise God for that. Um, today, we got a lot of scripture uh, to cover. So I'm going to we're going to jump right in. I'm going to have you guys turn to Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one here. And while you're turning there, uh, today we're going to talk about some things that we often inadvertently do uh, as believers as we're going through trials and tribulations, as uh, Pastor was talking about in his in his introduction there. Um, if we really, 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 really believe who God is and we trust he is who he is, then we also have to trust that what he says is going to happen is actually going to happen. It's easy for us as Christians to let go. And we like that. We like when we read in the Bible and God says, go ahead and let go, because sometimes we find ourselves in situations that no matter how smart you might be, how intelligent you might be, no matter who you know or what background you have, you will find yourself in a situation that no matter what you do as a human, you can't get out of that. So it's easy to be able to say at that point, all right, I'm going to give it to God and I'll let God figure it out. Sometimes we inadvertently get rid of our um, uh, some level of uh, of responsibility. Sometimes it's too much responsibility that we give up because we know that there's kind of a, a 50-50, if you will, or maybe an 80-20, depending on what it is God wants you to do to get out of your particular situation. But sometimes we find ourselves giving up too much. We also find ourselves at times giving up on God's promises. So God has promised things in our lives. God has promised things in the, in the Bible. And sometimes we end up forgetting that. We end up forgetting those things. And so what we're going to talk about today is making sure we don't let go of God's promises. First, let's look at what the Bible says about uh, promises. So, turn, so in 1 Corinthians, we're going to jump to, or 2 Corinthians, excuse me. We're going to go to chapter 1 and we're going to jump down to verse 19. Second Corinthians one. Verse 19. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Sylvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. To the glory of God through us. Underline all of verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. To the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes uh, establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us in, uh, and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us, given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Underline that. Given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Moreover, I call God as, my, as witness against my soul that I spare you, uh, that to spare you, I came no more to uh, to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. And underline this for by faith you stand. Okay, the main verse I want to focus on there is for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. To the glory of God through us. So what this is saying here is that whatever God says he's going to do, it's going to happen. 
Whatever promise he made you is going to come to pass. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen right away, which we know. And that's why Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. And it takes some time. But he said if he's going to if he says he's going to do something, it's going to be done. So we need to make sure uh, that we hold on to that. Interesting thing about that scripture there, too, is looking at what does it mean when it says in him it's yes and it's amen. OK, well, yes, is pretty simple, right? If you ask somebody, hey, is your name is your name Kathy? Yes. Bang. It's done. There's no no refuting that. Right. Because you know what your name is. So if you ask God, God, are you going to deliver this, deliver this promise? God says, yes, I will. That means he will. What does amen mean? Well, if you know, if you don't know, the word amen really means let it be, let it happen, so be it. And it's something that you use at the end of your prayer, because at the end of your prayer, when you're praying and you say in the name of Jesus, what you're saying to those forces of darkness at the end of your prayer is that by the authority that Jesus has given in me as who he is, as the son of God, king of kings and Lord of lords, everything that I just prayed for gives me the authority to say this is going to happen. And then by ending your prayer, by saying amen, now what you're saying is everything that I prayed for, let it come to pass. So if you look at that, that scripture, then you see the promises of God in him are yes and amen. It means that God, yes, will deliver in his promises and amen. Yes, it is going to happen. Okay, so let's make sure that we don't ever lose that we don't ever lose sight of that. In Matthew 24, verse uh, 30, 35, Jesus said, and matter of fact, let's turn there right now. Matthew 24. And let's start in verse 32. Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branches become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Underline that. This generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. If you don't have all of verse 35, underline, underline all of that. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words by no means will pass away. OK, now, while Jesus physically is no longer on this earth, um, he was once here on this earth in the form of man. Um, and he gave up this, his spirit because no man could take his life. So he gave up his life and he spent an eternity in heaven preparing a place for us. So even though physically we don't see him, even though physically we don't hear from him, you know, in, in an audible sound like you're hearing my voice, everything that he said is going to happen and and will come to pass will come to pass. We, we know also Jesus said that there will be wars and rumors of wars. If you've been following current events any time for the last 20 plus years, how many times do you hear about wars? OK, I remember exactly where I was on September the 11th, 2001, because I was right here in Oregon. This is my first time being in Oregon. We were here probably less than a month, I believe, if I got my if I got my dates correct. And I remember hearing about that. And then I remember looking at all the people in the streets talking about, yeah, we need to go back and we need to attack and we need to attack. And then come 2002, what happened? We ended up going to war. And you see all the other wars that are starting to take place. You see, we had a leadership change in, the, in this country. And all of a sudden people started talking about, oh, man, we're going to go to war with this country. We're going to go 
go to war with that country because of what the president said and because of this. So we know those things that Jesus said are going to happen are going to actually happen. So even though physically he is not here, his words still live forever. And what he said is going to be done is going to be done. Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. Okay, if you don't want to believe that you have trials, you're going to have trials and tribulations in your life, then I'll tell you what, when you have a trial and tribulation, you won't even see it as that. You're just going to say, I can't believe things are going so wrong. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And it doesn't necessarily mean you did anything wrong. It simply could just be the simple fact that Jesus said you will have trials and tribulations. So instead of getting bent out of shape and wondering, oh, my gosh, I must be screwing up royally to have these trials and tribulations, understand that, no, Jesus said it will. So if you don't want to believe it, well, yeah, you're going to be you're going to be missing out and, and really wondering why is it that you're going through what you're going through and won't have any answers. OK. So, again, whatever God says he's going to do, he is going to do the promises in him are yea and amen. Jesus's words live forever. So everything that he says that will come to pass, the thing some some of those things, some of those things have already come to pass and more will come as he continues to tarry. But we don't need to worry. We just need to hold on to the fact that Jesus will uh, Jesus will deliver us. OK. So a couple of things that we're going to uh, we're also going to talk about today, a few things here. We're going to talk about I hope you guys got some pen and paper or something to take some notes in or somewhere in your, in your Bible. But we're going to look at three key promises from God today. And then we're also going to look at three ways to ensure that the promises in, that God has promised you actually take place in your life. OK, so that's what we're going to cover today. Let's turn now into uh, to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, and we're going to start in verse number 9. And I'll wait for everyone to get there. Isaiah 46, and we're going to start in verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. If you don't have that already underlined, double highlighted, circled, whatever the case may be to really draw attention to it, go ahead and do that now. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. That's a powerful thing to tell the devil when he starts hitting you with something. Okay? To let him know that, hold on a second now. God, my father, is more powerful, more powerful than you, and like him, there is none. Okay? There is none like God. There is no other like God. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Underline that. And I will do all my pleasure. You know, you can remove a lot of stress from your life if you just remember what verse 10 says right there, that God will do all he all as he sees fit. All right. So I will do all my pleasure. Remembering this will keep keep you from wondering why things are happening in your life. When you can't wrap your head around it. OK. For example, I cannot for the life of me understand why every time I go online and look at the news that there's always it seems like every other day there is something out there about parents harming their children. Cannot understand that as someone that has two kids, I look at my kids and it's hard just to even discipline them. 
You know, you got to you got to set that stage. And I and I sit there and I think about back in the times when I was a kid and my parents used to say the famous words. This will hurt me more than it hurts you. You know, and in my head, I'm thinking to myself, well, can we swap places and let's see if that's real? Because I don't think so. You know, and dad knows many times he, he has said that, you know, and then when you have kids, you then you realize, oh, I see what they mean. OK, because it is when you when you correct that child and they look at you with those those big eyes and those eyes start to water up. Sometimes you sit there and you got to stand firm. You got to hold firm. But it's hard sometimes because on the inside, it's like, oh, man, I don't want to do that. But what you know is long term, they're going to benefit from it. I was in the store the other day and I watched kids just running around, tearing up the store. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't know how hard. The people here have to work to keep this store in order just so you can come in and shop. And you're letting your kids just run around, destroy everything. And it's not like they weren't paying attention. They were paying attention to the kids. But yet and still, they let the kids just drag carts up and down, rearrange stuff. And, and, and they're yelling and they're screaming. And the parent won't correct them. So they're just sitting there just like, oh, OK, will you stop? Come on, I told you. Put that back. Put that back. Put that back. Put that back. And I sit there and I think to myself, what could be going on at home that allows that child to act that way in public? What's in the mindset of that parent when there's when when this is happening in front of all of these people that just want to come in, get get their stuff and get out? It was a hot day on top of that, too. So that doesn't that never, ever helps the situation long lines. So what could be going on uh, when that happens? But you know what? I get to the point where I say it's not for me to understand. God permits those things to happen and he'll deal with them accordingly. And I'll pray for those children um, when, when those things kind of those, those kind of things come up. But he will do as he pleasures. So he allows those, he allowed those uh, adults to have kids for whatever his purpose is, his purpose is. And it's not for me to worry about. So remembering that there in verse 10 and I will do all my pleasure. OK, verse 11, calling a bird of prey from the east, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. If you don't have those underlined, underline that as well. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted who are far from righteousness. I bring my righteousness near as shall it shall not be afar off. salvation shall not linger and I will place salvation in Zion uh, for Israel, my glory. Okay, don't be stubborn hearted. Okay, stubborn hearted for God is one thing. That means that you're not going to waver from the things that you know are the truth. That means you're not going to waver from what the word of God says. That means you're not going to stop following God no matter how hard the situation might be. But if you're not careful, being stubborn hearted means that you're also not going to listen to anything that somebody tells you. It means that you will constantly do whatever it is that you want to do, no matter what others might be saying around you, even if those other people are giving you good godly wisdom. Don't forget now, God works through people. So there are times when God might be trying to tell you something and he can't get through to you. So he will surround people. He will surround you with people that are going to tell you things to try in an effort to try to be able to get through to you. OK, that's why it's important anytime you talk with somebody about God, that you let Holy Spirit guide what you're going to say and what you're going to do, because it could very well be that that interaction with that person that you're having could be their last opportunity to hear the truth and make a decision on where they're going to spend eternity. OK. So don't be so quick to just say, I'm going to do what I want to do. Be quick to go to God and make sure that you're, you're listening to him and ask God, is there something you're trying to tell me and give me a sign on what that is? 
I was praying about something the other day and I felt in my spirit and I was like, Lord, I'm looking for some confirmation. And then through a conversation, bingo, got my confirmation. It just came up randomly out of the blue. And I was waiting for it for a couple of days and then randomly it just came up like, hey, you know, did you think about this? And I said, huh, actually I did. It was on my list of things that I was praying about. So thank you, Lord, for that confirmation. Now, the next step after that, you hear that. And we'll talk about this uh, later on about how to ensure promises happen in your life. But the next step after that then was, okay, Lord, I got some confirmation. Now, how do I take this confirmation and turn it into action? So I know the area that I need to focus on. I know the subject matter that I need to dive into. Now it's what do I do about it? Okay. Stubborn hardness, also being stubborn hearted also leads you to trying to intervene on God's behalf. Great example that I always think of in the Bible is, is Abraham and, and, and Isaac. OK, and or it's just really say Abraham and, and Sarah and how Isaac came to be and Ishmael came to be. OK, promise to them was, yes, Sarah is going to have a baby. But they listened to science of the time, if you will, and, and figured ah, Sarah can't have a baby. So there's no way that's going to happen. So, Abraham, go ahead. You can have a baby with Hagar. OK. And we know nowadays, I mean, it seems that split parent household seems to be the norm lately. And you know how much confusion and strife and arguing and bickering that takes place um, in those kind of households. And it doesn't matter how close of a relationship the two parents might have when it relate when it relates to that child. There's always some level of stress and uncomfortableness that's always going to be there because the two parents are not together. There's always going to be questions that that child is going to have as they grow up. And many times they ask the question, well, is it my fault that mommy and daddy split up? OK, and that's not the case at all. So I can only imagine the level of strife that was in Abraham's household, if you will, during that time. I can only imagine the level of of regret that both Sarah and Abraham had or the level of anger that they had, even strife and bickering towards each other, that Abraham had a son, but Sarah didn't. And then we know Isaac was born later on. And I won't get into the to the to the entire story there of Abraham, but to make a a, a really good uh, biblical story uh, short, there uh, we know that that Hagar and, and Ishmael then were, were were kicked out, okay? And God promised Abraham that he would have um, he, he would his sons would have would be the descendants of many nations. And if you follow the line of Ishmael, his tribe actually ended up in areas of what is what's now is modern day Kuwait and Iraq. And again, if you follow current events any time over the last 20 years, we know that there's all sorts of terrorist organizations that have been raised in those in those nations there in Iraq and Kuwait, which leads to physical altercations that we still have here today in 2018. And that was all because the two of them decided that they wanted to be stubborn. Okay. In Genesis one, you don't have to go there now, but you can write this down. Genesis one, chapter uh, chapter one, verses three through twenty six. Eight times God said, and it happened during the creation. God said, God said, God said, God said, and it happened. So while God was speaking there, even though that wasn't necessarily a promise to anyone, it shows that when God says he's going to do something, it will happen. Question you have to ask yourself is this. What has God said to you that makes you think he will not come through? What has God said to you? That makes you think he will not come through. Okay. Let's pause for a moment because I know it's a it's a warm day and I like everyone to to stand up for a minute. It's a warm day. It's warm in here. We got to get the the, the blood flowing a little bit. So we're going to do a little bit of exercising, if you will. Let's just twist back and forth a little bit. Let's get your arms flowing. Get some blood flowing from from the top of your head all the way down to your feet. 
In the name of Jesus, we rebuke any spirits of, of uh, man, any spirits of sleepiness that might be in here in the name of Jesus. Father God, let your, let your power and strength just overtake this entire sanctuary, Lord, so that we can pay attention to the words that are coming forth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's have a seat and let's continue on here. All right, we got some good stuff the Lord is, uh, is, trying, to, is trying to tell. We're not going to let the devil come in here and try to steal it from us. No way. In the name of Jesus, rebuke that spirit of slumber. Okay. What has God said to you that makes you think that he will not come through? Earlier, as I said, we're going to talk about three key promises of God. And I'm going to give you three ways that you can ensure to receive his promises in your life. Now, the Bible is filled with all sorts of promises from God, but there's three that I felt the Holy Spirit gave to me that are important for this day and age. The first one is deliverance. Promise number one, God has promised us deliverance. The second one is protection. And the third one is healing. Diving into a promise of protection, of, uh, of deliverance, turning your Bibles to Psalms chapter 34. So this is the first promise that we're going to look at today. Deliverance. Chapter 34, and we're going to start in verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Underline all of that. And then I want you to double underline and highlight the word all and continually. Okay. All and continually. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It doesn't I don't care what you got going on in your life. I don't care how you might be feeling in any given moment. If you're blessing the Lord and you're continually having that praise in your mouth, it does wonders. Okay. It does wonders. I can't describe it. All I can say is that I've been there. I've done it. I think I shared a story months ago when I was really, really, really feeling, really feeling you and ill. And the worst thing uh, is, is any time you have to vomit. And I remember getting up out of bed and I was in the it went to the bathroom there. And I just spent, I don't know, I think I was in there for probably a couple of hours. And just on first, it started out on the ground, just like, oh, God, please help me, help me, help me. By his stripes, I am healed, rebuking that spirit of infirmity, trying to get myself to pray. Then finally, I was able to get to my knees. And eventually, I was able to actually get up and actually raise my hands. Two hours later after that, I went back, laid down in the bed, and I could literally just feel a, a change that took place in my body. I could literally feel the temperature in my body start to change. And it literally went from top of my head and it went all the way down to my feet. And in that moment, laying in the bed, I knew that I was healed. Slept through the night, woke up the next day. The only thing I didn't have the next day was just some some strength because I was up. And, and you know, the, the natural sickness has to has to get out before you can develop that develop that strength. But I also thank God that I did not once vomit. OK, <laughs> I did not once. I did not once do it. All right. And we've all been there. There's times when you just you, you try. You just, you know, your, your, your body gets the best of you. But boy, I tell you, I was nervous because <laughs> I really just did not want to go down that road. And praise God, I didn't. But I made sure I remembered this. Bless the Lord at all times. Continually, my praise was going to be in my mouth. And one of the things that I did was I, I said to God, I said, thank you, Lord, for this feeling that I have right now, because I know 
I know that even through this, you will be glorified. I know that even through this, you're building some character in me and you're building strength in me to trust in you. And what that has showed me is that um, ever since that time is that it doesn't matter what you got going on. If you can just muster up the strength just to start praising God, it does wonders. Okay, and I can only say that from experience. And obviously the Bible says it here. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse two, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, Lord, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. You don't have to be afraid of anything or anybody. Okay, you don't have to be. Why? Because the Lord delivered you from all your fears. So that's a good scripture to remember, too. Anytime that spirit of fear tries to hit you. You can tell him in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, spirit of fear, because the Lord has delivered me from all my fears. You can also remember that my God has not given me a, a, a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. So in the name of Jesus, spirit of fear, I command you to go. You cannot stay here. Greater is he that is in me than you that's in the world. OK, so you don't have to be afraid of anything. You don't have to be afraid uh, of not having finances to be able to pay your bills the next coming month. You don't have to be afraid of the fact that you've got this boss that's just a tyrant in, in your workplace there and no one knows how to deal with him or her. OK, you don't have to be afraid of any conversations around any wars that might be taking place or who might get elected into office in your local area or in the nation or any, in any other state or what what bills are going to go on the ballot that might turn this entire country upside down. Um, and you don't have to fear any of that stuff. Because no matter what happens with that, God is in control and he's delivered you from your fears and he's heard you. Verse five, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. Underline that the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Underline that and saved him out of all of his troubles. So if you don't fear and you give it to God and you know that God heard you then you must also know that he will save you and he has saved you out of all of your troubles. And I want you there in verse six there where it says and save them all out of all his troubles. I want you to also double underline all. Because many times we'll pray about situations, various situations. It's it's rare. I can't think of the last time that I only had one challenge go on at a time. Usually it doesn't happen that way. There's usually always multiple ones going on. And in that case there, when those, when that happens, some things get delivered faster from than others. But you can't forget that just because one of them is done right away, that the other ones aren't going to be taken care of and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse seven, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them again and delivers them. So underline that and delivers. Matter of fact, just underline all of verse seven. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Underline that. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So just to pause there for a second as we're talking about deliverance as one of God's promises, you also need to make sure that you're trusting him. Okay? Because without trusting, without having faith, you can pray all day long. Nothing's going to happen. You have to trust and believe that when I send up this prayer that God actually heard me, that God has actually taken action. And then I'm, then I'm just sitting back and I'm just waiting and saying, all right, let me see when this is going to come come to fruition in the physical realm. OK, because, again, like I said, you may have multiple challenges going on in your life just because one is resolved instantly doesn't mean that the other ones won't be resolved as well. Sometimes it takes time. So you have to trust in him. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. 
Verse nine. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Uh, there is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. You might be lacking that shiny sports car that you're looking for. But I guarantee you, you have a mode of transportation to get you wherever it is you need to go. (laughs) You might be lacking that large bank account that you're looking for. But I guarantee you, you got enough money in the bank to pay your bills. You might not have the lobster dinner that you get to eat every single night or something like that or go spend, you know, seventy, eighty dollars at a on, on a steak and get a six course meal or something like that. But you got food on your table to be able to sustain you until the next time it's time to eat. OK, so don't forget, if you are seeking the Lord, you will not lack any good things. That means that God will always give you what you need, but he won't always give you what you want. OK. And who was it? The uh, was it was it Paul? I believe that said, I have learned in all things that I, I have learned to be that I have to be content. OK, and I'm paraphrasing that scripture there as well. So when you get to that point of recognizing that, you know, what, I might not have this, but boy, I can count my blessings and I am blessed. OK, when you get to that point, you will realize that you, that you are not lacking any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he uh, that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Seeking peace and pursuing it does not mean that as a child of God, you just let people walk all over you. It does not mean that just because uh, um, we've heard as as children that, yeah, God is love, because that's that's the first thing that's talked about when you come to Christ is how loving Jesus is. okay? because you have to understand that to realize this is why he does. This is why he died on the cross for our sins. This is why I have the opportunity to get salvation and I can spend eternity with him. But as you start to grow and mature as a Christian, you start to realize that there are some battles out there that you are going to have to face. There are some fights that are going to have to take place. And seeking peace does not mean that you just let the battle go on and just say, "Ah, I'm going to ignore it. I'm not going to say anything to anybody. The word conflict and confrontation oftentimes has a negative connotation. But confronting somebody just simply means you're going to have a discussion about something that you disagree on. I confront my children every single time they do something wrong. They're not getting yelled at. I'm not punching them, saying things that I should be saying to them. Okay. I confront adults at work. Doesn't mean that we're having a nasty conversation or anything like that. So confrontation does not mean that or I should say seeking peace and pursuing it does not mean that you're not going to have confrontation. So if you are hesitant to to, to have a confrontation with someone, if you will, or get into some level of conflict because you think that it's not going to bring about peace, then that means you are not thinking that God is actually going to going to deliver you from whatever that situation might be. Because it's easy to say, you know what, I can deal with that person for X amount of time and not have to deal with the situation and it's going to go away. And it doesn't. OK, I've been there, tried that before. And I said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm not doing this. <laughs> you know, now, of course, you want to definitely make sure you seek God and seek the Holy Spirit to figure out what to say, when to say it, how to say it and all of those things. And I can remember many times. Um, um, as a matter of fact, Dad and I were just talking the, the other day about a, a situation I had back east with uh, with someone I worked for. Um, and and when I left that particular company and went to a, a competitor, found out one of the, the managers there was good friends with my old boss. 
Um, and he and he had mentioned to me. He said, "Oh yeah." He said he was he, he was very fond of you. And I said, "Yeah, that's not right. I don't I don't believe that one bit." You know. And he said, "Well, why would you say that?" And I gave him a situation where he and I had a had a confrontation. But through that, thank God, the first thing I did was pray about it. Lord, if this happens again, let me know how to deal with it. And then when it happened again, I did deal with it the way the Holy Spirit wanted me to. And what he said to me was, yes, he actually ended up developing a great deal of respect for you. You were the most respected one that he had working for him. And I look back at that and I'm not bragging on me, but I'm looking back at that and I say, now, imagine what would have happened if I didn't listen to what God told me to do. And I don't know where I would, have be, would even be today if I didn't listen to him. And so many people around that around that particular environment would, would say, oh, that's just who this person is. That's just how they that's just how they are. And for me, it was, yeah, but I'm a child of God and I'm not going to just stand here and let somebody treat me this way and say these type of things to me because I am a child of God. OK, I didn't go in there prideful and all puffed up in myself or anything. But I also knew that in order to seek peace, sometimes you got to cause a conflict, if you will. Now, don't go run out there and start causing all sorts of conflicts and then saying, well, I was at church and I heard that peace comes through conflict. So I'm going to go confront every single situation. No, don't do that. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Pray about it and see how God wants you to handle it. Okay. So verse 14 there, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance from them of them from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and underline this and delivers them out of their troubles. Okay, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as a as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Okay, he guards his bone, guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. So the main thing in those scriptures there, as you can see, many times it's mentioned about deliverance. One of the promises that God gives us is that he he promises to deliver us from issues of life. So that's one promise. The second promise we're going to look at is protection. We're staying in Psalms. We're going to go to chapter 138. Psalms 138. That's about 22 pages after Psalm 34. <laughs> I'm going to wait for everyone to get there. As some of you count 22 pages and realize I was just kidding. <laughs> and it's about 55 swipes for those with electronic Bibles. <laughs> All right, Psalm 138, well, 138, verse 1. I will praise you with my whole heart, underline my whole heart. I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods I will sing praises to you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. And the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Underline verse 3. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Okay, so protection there. All right. When you feel protected, you have some level of boldness to you because you feel like nothing is going to harm you. All right. 
I remember, you know, as, as, as a kid growing up, when I started to get into to, to my high school age, like with anybody that's high school age, you start to get this, this, this invincible feeling like nothing can happen to you, that nobody can tell you anything and that no matter what happens, you're going to be you're going to be all right. We see this, unfortunately, uh, in professional athletes a lot. Actually, you, you see it in anyone um, that, that would be considered a celebrity. You see it in Hollywood where people make all of this money and they feel protected because they've got bodyguards around them. They've got this huge bank account. They've got excellent lawyers, and they think that I can just go out and do whatever it is that I please because I am protected. And that protection then gives me some boldness, and it strengthens my soul. But the thing is here is that when you cry out to God, you understand that he answers you. That's what gives you the, 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 the godly boldness, if you will. That's the godly protection from your, from your soul or for your soul so that nothing, nothing will be able to harm you. It's not the self-protection thinking that because I have the things in the physical world that many don't have that I'm going to be protected. But it's the fact that, you know, God has answered you uh, and, and, will, and will work on your behalf. Verse 4, all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. You got something going on in your life, okay? You're wondering why God is, doesn't seem to be responding to you, or he hasn't answered you? Ask yourself if you're operating too highly. Ask yourself if you're operating with a spirit of haughtiness or a spirit of pride that's not allowing you to be humble the way God wants you wants you to be. Because there you see in verse uh, on uh, verse six there, yet he uh, though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. So that's talking about the people that are, are, are not puffed up in pride. OK, because if you're not careful and you start looking back at the battles that, that, that you won. OK, and the, and the things that the Lord has delivered you from, if you are not careful you can you can easily take that and start to develop a prideful spirit because you can walk around and say, I got through that before. I'm going to get through this now. And you might say that. But in your heart, you're forgetting that you had God with you before, which is why you won. And if you have him now, he will win, you'll win again. OK, just like David did with Goliath. When he told Goliath that he was going to take his head from him, it wasn't because he was I'm a better warrior than you. Because right? after all, if you, if you look at the, the, the biblical measurements at that time, he was only about five foot three going against a nine foot giant. That was that, that was a, a soldier since he was since his youth, as, as the Bible says. He wasn't doing it because it was, oh, I'm bigger and stronger than you, Goliath. It was because you defied the armies, armies, armies of God. And I'm not going to stand for somebody that's going to do that. So because God delivered me before, he will deliver me again. So there he was proclaiming victory before the battle started and remembering that God was the one that, that delivered him. And then he let Goliath know, like, you're not going up against me. You're going up against God. So you might see me here, but you don't see God who's, who's behind me that's getting ready to, to, to take you out right now. OK, so, so so make sure you're not allowing yourself to get to get too uh, to get too boastful and too proud just because you've had some victory in the past. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. Underline all of that. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect, will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the words of your hands. Okay. So there in verse seven, that's the, the, the biggest scripture there that I want to focus on. You might be walking in the midst of trouble. OK, you might have a lot of things that are going on. 
But if you just trust in the Lord, you know that he will deliver you. He will stretch out his hand to deliver you against the wrath of your enemies, and he will save you. Okay? But you just got to hold on to that, and you have to understand that that is a promise. That when you call on the name of the Lord, he will be there to answer you. It might not happen in the speed that you would like it to, but it will happen, and he will deliver you. Let's go to another script, familiar scripture here. We're going to stay in Psalms. This time we're going to go back to chapter 91. And we're talking about the promise of protection, of protection that God has given us. The first promise was deliverance. The second one here is protection. Psalm 91 and let's just let's go all the way back to verse one. <clears throat> Psalm 91, one, one of my favorite scriptures here. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. If you don't have all of that double highlighted or underlined and highlighted with stars around it, go ahead and do all of that, because that is one that you just do not want to forget. Okay. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Notice how it talks about God as being the most high. With God being the most high, if you are dwelling in him and you're hiding in his presence, that means you will always, always be above the issues of life. Being the most high means that there is nothing or no one higher than that. So if you are under God's protection, you will be able to be above all the issues of life. It also gives you a bird's eye view of what's happening around you and in the lives of others through spiritual discernment. So being up that high, you will get to survey the land at the level that God sees it. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to see all things like God sees them. Okay, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that you will be a level at a level where you can hear from God and commune with God, where he can then show you and say, look down at this right here. And he will be able to give you a glimpse into what's going on around you so you can see beyond the simple problem that's that's in front of you. You will get to see he will give you a glimpse into other things that are impacted by the situation that you're in and other things that impact your situation. So that way, you know, that if you're while you're waiting on God and you're waiting patiently for him to deliver you, that it has to do more than has to do with more than just you. It could very well be with somebody else that's in your household. It could be another family member. It could be somebody on the job. It could be somebody that's halfway around the world. But if you're dwelling in the secret place of the most high, you're up there. It gives God an opportunity if he chooses to, to reveal that to you, to say, I'm just going to show you what's going on over here. And then you'll from that be able to connect the dots and say, oh, that's why I'm still not delivered through this situation yet because of this over here. And it'll tell you how to pray. Verse three, surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the foul of the fowler and from the noise from the uh, perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. I love this one here. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. The thing about terror by night, that's the time when you're the most vulnerable. That's the time when your body says, okay, you need to go to sleep because I need to get some rest. That's the time when your guard is let down the most. That's why it could be terror that comes by at night. If you're laying in your bed sleeping and somebody were to break into your house, it's going to be a terrifying feeling. 
Why? Because you were sound asleep. You were in a relaxed state. You were not expecting somebody to come into your house. If that were to happen in the daytime, no big deal because you're already awake and you're already alert. And the things that you might need to get to in your household are easily seen because you don't have to flip any light switches on. The light's already on because it's daytime. So it can feel very terrorist uh, or it can feel like terror at nighttime. An arrow that flies by the day, an arrow is very hard to see. It's very small. It doesn't make a sound. And if it hits you in the daytime, it comes as a surprise. So by, by, by staying in the, in the Lord and being in his secret place and allowing him to cover you with his feathers, no matter what happens at any time of the day or night, you won't be afraid of it. Amen. Verse 6, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. It's amazing you see, um, um, you, 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 it almost seems like most bad things, if you will, happen at nighttime. And when they happen in the daytime, what is the, the most famous saying? I, I always hear a lot of people saying that is, wow, that happened in broad daylight. Somebody got robbed at a gas station at one o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that doesn't that's not normal. Normal would be, yeah, two o'clock in the morning. Somebody went in there and robbed the gas station because the thought there is, is a smaller police presence. I can hide under under the, the shadows of darkness there so I can get in, get out. Nobody's going to see how I get away. All right. But here what this is saying is that even things that walk in the darkness or any destruction that comes th- during the daytime is not going to touch you. You won't be afraid of that. Verse seven here. A, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you. Nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Famous scripture there that Satan misquoted to Jesus, and Jesus hit him right back with, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Okay? But then in verse 7, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. If that is not a promise of protection, then I don't know what else is. Okay? Picture that, if you will. Literally seeing a thousand people around you succumbing to some sort of sickness or, 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 or some sort of attack, some sort of chemical attack or whatever the case may be. Tornadoes are perfect examples of people that live in, you know, of people that live in Tornado Alley where they can go hunker down into their homes. And there's many accounts of this where they've, when they've gotten down and they've just prayed and prayed and prayed and they go outside, their neighbors to the left, to the right, across, behind them, all houses are destroyed and their house was not even touched. Okay, that's what that is talking about there. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. So if you understand that God promises us protection, you won't ever, ever forget this scripture. It's a good scripture to keep in the remembrance, because when things are going on around you and it seems like everybody is impacted by it, but somehow you're not. Remember that it's because God is protecting you. And while others around you are, are, are succumbing to the evils of the world or maybe they're getting laid off or or or, or departments are being downsized or they're coming. They're, they're, they're becoming sick. Know that it's not going to come near you because God is going to protect you. So two promises we went through so far. Deliverance, protection. Now we're going to look at healing. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 30.
That's about 342 pages from where we just were. Jeremiah chapter 30. And we're just going to look at verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Underline that. For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Because they called you out, called you an outcast, outcast, saying, "This is Zion. No one seeks her." Okay. Main part there I wanted to focus on was where it says, "For I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds," says the Lord. It doesn't say, says Doctor So and So. It doesn't say, Guru So and So. It says the Lord. Okay. And again, not saying anything bad about doctors or anything like that. But clearly here it tells you who's actually going to heal you of your wounds. These wounds aren't just physical wounds, but these wounds can also be spiritual. They could also be emotional. Okay. You've got something going on in your life. You're dealing with any kind of depression or anything that's making you feel down and out or you're just in that blah mode where you can't explain why you're feeling the way you're feeling. But, you know, you're feeling anything but joy. Know that God is there that he can and he can heal you of those things. Okay. You got anything that's going on in your life or, or anything that's connected to, to past family members, any kind of mental, mental health conditions that could be there, the Lord can actually heal you from that. You don't have to accept that just because mom, dad, great-grandma, somebody way down the line that you've never met that have long, long past had a certain condition does not mean that you need to have it as well because the Lord will, will, will heal you of that. Okay? Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15, and we're going to go to verse 22. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when, the, when they came to uh, Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and he tested them and said, underline all of this, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. OK, verse 26. There's a lot there in verse 26. OK. I want you to double underline the word if. Many times we wonder why is it that God's promises aren't happening in our lives? 
Well, because sometimes we forget that there's always an if and then with God. If you follow me, then I will do this. If you do as I say to do, then you will follow this. Then I will do this. If you say what I'm telling you to say, then I will do this. Okay. And a great example with Moses there was when God told Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay. And he kept telling him, let my people go. That was Pharaoh. That was God telling Pharaoh, look, if you let them go, I won't do this. He chose not to. And what happened? Right. We know the story, death and plagues. Then he finally let them go. And then what did Pharaoh do? He said, you know what? No, nope. I want them back. We're going to go get them. And because of his stubborn hardness that we saw earlier, his armies were wiped out in the in, in, when they went across the Red Sea. OK. So if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and and do under double underline that do what is right in his sight. And double underline his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on which you on on you, which I have brought to the Egyptians and double underline this as well. For I am the Lord who heals you. Okay, so don't forget that God promises us healing. But in order for that healing to happen, we have to make sure that we're committing ourselves to his ways, that we're diligently seeking him. So diligently means without ceasing. All right. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, every waking moment of the day that you're, you're, you're talking to God, because obviously um, uh, we don't we don't have that luxury. That'd be kind of cool to be able to do that. And God certainly understands that living in this physical world, there's things that we have to do. Um, and so we can't always sit there and seek God's face and seek God's face and seek God's face. OK, but what this is saying is that well, how are you spending your time? Are you just spending your time watching TV? Playing video games, surfing the Internet, washing the car, doing yard work. Are you spending some time to actually listen to God's voice? And God most certainly could talk to you if you're out in the yard or doing something that, that, you know, would be considered peaceful and and relaxing and everything. But if you're weighing, uh, hmm, I'm going to go out, I'm going to cut the grass or I'm going to go talk to God. Yeah, I'm going to go cut the grass first and I can talk to God later. I've been there and I've done that. And what I found is that later never actually happens. Okay, but when I stopped and said, you know what, I'm going to go spend some time with God because doing that other thing really isn't that important. I'll get to that when I get to it. As much as it's going to bother me later on when I see that thing incomplete, no problem, because the satisfaction is going to be, hey, I got to talk to God. So I filled my time with something good. And when I did that somehow, some way, I don't know how I have time to do that other thing that needs to be done. Okay. I don't know how it's not like God paused time or anything like that, but somehow it just it would. I just had the time to actually do it and get it done. OK, so if you're putting God's first and you're seeking his his voice, he will bring about healing. It isn't just healing that he's going to bring about, but all of his promises, deliverance from issues of life, protection from harm, healing, both phys- uh, physically, mentally and spiritually will take place if you follow God. Three ways that you can identify or that you can ensure that you will receive God's promises in your life. The first one is ask for wisdom. And we won't go to these scriptures now, but here's a few scriptures um, to write down about seeking wisdom. Okay. James 1 verse 5. Okay. It says, if, you, if, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without approach and it will be given to him. Okay. Psalm 32 verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. 
Isaiah 30, verse 21. Your ear shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. And Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And it actually lists verse six as well says in all in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So asking for wisdom is one way to ensure you receive God's promises in your life. The next way to do that is to trust and follow God's directions. Okay. Psalm 40 verses 1 through 17. One of the things it says is that I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Okay. Blessed is the man who 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 makes the makes the Lord his trust. And we won't read all those scriptures there, but I definitely want you to write those, write this, write that one down. Psalm 40 verses one through 17. You see what happens when you when you trust the Lord and how and how much he can actually bless you. Amen. The last one, which is the hardest one. To do when it comes to keeping God's promises. That's waiting patiently for his promises to come to fruition. The hardest one to do. But one of the most important things to do, Psalms 27, verse 14. Matter of fact, let's turn to that one real quick in closing here. Psalms 27, verse 14. And I'll wait for everyone to get get there. Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Given, being, having your heart strengthened means that when your timetable for a situation to be done with, over and done with, when your timetable for victory has long passed, your heart will continue to be strengthened. You will continue to be able to, to, to run the race that God has put before you. Okay. Just like if you were running a marathon, if your mental focus is going to be on how much pain your legs are in or how thirsty you might be or how hot it's going to be, you will stop and you will give up. But if your focus is just one more step, one more step, one more step, one more step. Next thing you know, you'll be at the finish line and you won't even remember how far away you were. Okay. And the last one for waiting patiently is Psalm 37, verse seven. Last scripture of the day. Let's turn there. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Okay, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. If you're following God and you're listening to him and you're following his counsel, you won't worry about why is it that I did what so and so did and I'm still in the same situation, but they got delivered. Why is it that they're living a lifestyle that God is probably looking at him and thinking like, whoo, if you come to me and say, Lord, Lord, you'll be the first one. I say I knew you not to. Why is it that somebody like that seems to be prospering? And here I am going to church. I'm tithing. I'm giving offerings. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing all the things that God wants me to do. But yet and still, I'm still stuck in this challenge. Okay, remember this one. Just rest in him and wait patiently for him. 
don't worry about what's happening in everyone else's lives, why it seems like they may be prospering uh, when they're living a less than, than godly lifestyle, um, according to God's standards. Just wait for his wait patiently. Wait, wait, wait and wait. Once you do this, you will see God's promises in your life start to start to take hold. As battles start to come about, you will never forget the promises that, that he has placed for you, or that, he, that he said in front of you. And you won't forget the victories that you had in the past either. But you have to make sure that you're asking for wisdom. You're trusting and following in God's directions. And then you're waiting uh, patiently for those promises to make, them man- make themselves manifest in your life. Amen. All right. With that, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.